All right. Good evening. Weren't those songs awesome? You know, God doesn't bring coincidences. He brings blessings. And tonight we'll be in Genesis 8, which in my Bible is titled Noah's Deliverance. And if we listen to the words of the worship songs, and if we take them to heart, there are key words in there that um, we can reflect on as we go through this chapter, chapter 8, especially things like salvation, hope, uh, faith, perseverance, patience. These are all things that Noah exhibited, exhibited and they're written for us to, to take heed to. Um, I know I need encouragement and guidance. Um, it's very easy to be overwhelmed in the world that we live in um, with our jobs and our family responsibilities and everything else. It's like we're almost like a set adrift in a sea of the world, but we can rest assured that we're not without a compass, we're not without a rudder, we're not without a captain. God and Jesus and the Spirit fulfill those in us and for us and through us and may we rely on him and them the trinity to guide us every day so before we begin let's pray father thank you for bringing us together lord thank you for bringing us physically together and for those online lord we just pray lord that your word would speak to each and every one of us in a unique way, Lord. You have fearfully and wonderfully made each of us. Help us to realize that we have value to you, Lord. Each one of us represents a soul, a living, breathing, uh, not an imitation of you, Lord, but a piece of you. You've created us in your image, Lord. Help us to just realize how important each one of us is to you, Lord. Your word says that you should you wish that none would perish, Lord. So we pray that even those among us who are saved, Lord, um, would come alongside our family and friends, Lord, and help just spread your love and spread your truth. And for those within hearing of your word, Lord, that aren't saved, may your words prick their heart, Lord so that they would be drawn to you and accept uh, your gift of eternal salvation. Uh, We just look forward to what you will have for us tonight, Lord, in your word, and we just thank you again for bringing us together. In your name, Jesus, amen. Okay. So, uh, last time I was up here, I was in chapter 7, Um, I like the fact that uh, God's word is very orderly. He spells things out for us. Um, I find it to be simple, clear, and different. Even though there are passages and books in this Bible in his word that are very challenging to us because of names and places that sound foreign and aren't familiar to us. But um, to him, he's just trying to give us a picture of 
what uh, living was like way back, you know, um, centuries and millennia ago, and trying to give us a picture of how even back then things uh, that he did and provided and cautioned um, his people Israel about, he's even doing that today for us. And we can embrace uh, the fact that he never wants to let us go. He always wants to be with us. He wants to be the first person that we um, share our most intimate issues with. And uh, as we read this, um, I think he gives us a picture that um, Noah, of many of the main characters of the Bible, uh, was relying on God for everything, and he trusted God, and he was encouraged by God, and he was given a hope by God. So um, if you would, maybe let's start in chapter 7 towards the end just for um, way of remembrance of where we were at, and we'll set this up. Um, so go to chapter 7. Um, let's go... Verse 11. So Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of the sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two, of all flesh in which is the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Now the flood was on the earth forty days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose above the earth. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth, and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed fifteen cubits upward, and the mountains were covered, and all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, all that was on the dry land died. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing, and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. So the stage here is, is that God has found only Noah and his family to be um, in a position of being saved, that the rest of the world, the rest of society before Noah or um, the peers of Noah had turned away from God 
and we're not um, honoring him or in fear of him at all. And I can only imagine the picture and one of the um, lyrics of one of the worship songs tonight comes to mind that the floods came down and the oceans roar and tumble. Um, I just can't imagine that scene. I mean, we can get a picture. People from Hollywood, the movie producers, they try to replicate things like that. And it, it's probably close to reality, but it's probably farther from reality than what we think. I feel as though that would be a horrible thing to go through. And just seeing it in a motion picture probably doesn't do it justice. And that's one of the things that seems to come out in um, in the beginnings of Genesis and all throughout the Bible is there is no substitute for real life experience. And when you experience things yourself, you have like a greater appreciation and a greater understanding of what's just happened. And to me, it is important to keep in mind that God is always talking. He's talking through creation. He's talking through his word. And he's calling to the spirit within us. If we're allowing our minds and our hearts and our very souls to trust in him and believe in him, we will start to understand what he's trying to say to us. We don't have to hear an audible voice. Like, for instance, in the work world, we have our managers tell us what to do. <laughs> and that's their job. Um, and we as servants are called by the Lord to obey and to do a good job, um, to give our best, to put our best foot forward. Um, and this is what Noah was doing all along. He was honoring God, revering God, fearing God, and putting his best foot forward, building the boat, not seeing evidence at all that there was going to be a flood, but he, in faith, just kept walking and doing what God had told him to do, trusting that the Lord's plan in the future would be revealed. And I have a hard time with that because I want to know exactly what's going on all the time ahead of me and you know, use all the experience that I had from yesterday, a month ago, a year ago to you know, kind of set my, my plans in place. A lot of you probably know sometimes God changes our plans in the middle and sometimes it's really difficult to try to address like where our heart is and you know not complain and not kind of wonder okay lord i have faith but help me you know or lord i don't believe help my belief here in this situation and help me to trust you and i see that picture here in noah even though it isn't written what his very intimate the details of his heart and his feelings are He's human, he's created as we are in God's image with all the feelings, all the sensory perception, the, the intelligence, and I, I have to believe, at least my own sense is that at times he must have had a little fear, but he was able to be in contact with God and... Um, as a result of walking with God closely, he um, probably had a stronger measure of faith than some of us do. 
And that's not to say that our faith isn't important and it isn't strong, because the word also says that faith like a mustard seed can conquer a lot of things. And we just have to trust and allow God to work on us to to develop that trust. So in chapter 8, the version of the Bible that I have here is titled Noah's Deliverance. So let's read it, and we'll go back and we'll go over some points. So chapter 8, verse 1. Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the waters decreased. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Then he sent out a raven which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, and she returned into the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark to himself. And he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And no one knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him any more. And it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, that the waters were dried up from the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and indeed the surface of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dried. Then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird, and whatever creeps on the earth according to their families went out of the ark. Verse 20, which is actually subtitled in this Bible, God's Covenant with Creation. 
So verse 20, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. And verse 22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So it's unbelievable to me. I mean, I am reading it here, but first thing is like the patience that um, God granted Noah and his family to endure a whole year. That's what this says. So the flood started in the 600th year, um, and then it concluded in the 601st. Um, there are lots of commentaries. Um, I particularly like um, information um, from Answers in Genesis Ministry or uh, Creation um, Research Institute. Um, they give a lot of background and so much more detail. And, um, you know, we should be encouraged to look to those ministry sources for information. Um, Another thing here is the faith that Noah exhibited just to see what was happening, like the tumultuous waters. Uh, he literally didn't have a, a steering wheel, a compass, a rudder, um, engines, you know, all the modern things, radar, sonar, everything that today ship's captains have he didn't have any of that. Can I can't imagine getting in a boat at, or a car, although these are coming, and taking your hands off the wheel and just letting the car go or the boat go. I mean, apparently our technology today is to the point where we can have driverless cars. That kind of scares me. I don't know about you, but <laughs> until they prove it out and make sure that all the you know, accident prevention and everything else is acceptable. That's, that's a little scary. But if you think about it, even when we have control over our own cars and machinery at work, we're still taking a step of faith. I mean, we, we trust the brakes are going to work or we trust our mechanics have looked after the car enough to, that the brakes are going to work, the car is going to start. Uh, all the lights are going to work, and not only that, we also expect the other people on the road to heed the laws, the stop signs, the lights, everything. And it, it's just, to me, Noah is a great example of how the Lord is opening himself up to be trusted and to be um, available. And when, when he does that, and he actually shows us evidence of how he is good to us, and we actually commit that to memory and save it, these are all build up. And I think as Noah was walking through um, you know, this process, he 
was seeing how to trust the Lord, seeing how to um, rely on the Lord, seeing what the Lord's promises were to him. And here it says, God spoke to Noah. So um, although this is one instance, there must have been many, many others that um, Noah actually had communication directly with God, and God was telling him how to deal with things and what to do. And thankfully, Noah did what he did because um, it gave a chance for the Lord to kind of reset the dial a little bit and um, and cleanse the, the world again. And um, as I said last time, it set the stage for our Messiah's return, which um, that's the greatest gift to us as believers, um, knowing that he came here and he is going to return again and he's prepared a place for us. And those are just the greatest things. Uh, so there's kind of like the concept of um, bending to society or um, building our our life according to the way society wants us to build it. Um, and you can see that here, that, and you can imagine that there was so much opposition to Noah. People were probably questioning him, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? How do you even know to do all this? Uh, we don't know for sure if Noah was actually a carpenter. I mean, you would imagine that he had some skills. He was the patriarch of the family, and usually that meant that that individual would take care of the needs of the family, whether it was farming, housing, um, all of that. So um, just for him to be trusting enough to set himself into the boat and, as I mentioned before, not have any real means of control, uh, I just admire that as a leap of faith. And it's so important for us as believers to um, try to develop that in our lives. And prime example, like I said before, is um, sometimes in our work lives, mine, I can relate to, we have things so planned out. It's like some days my calendar is so full. And maybe you guys can relate to this, those that are working. It just seems like you, you have no choice. In order to get done what's expected, you sort of need to plan for all of these things and make time for these things. And yet, I find myself wishing that maybe the hamster wheel wasn't spinning so fast and that I had more time to just sit quietly and wait and hear from God. And that's the reason why I admire this story which is really history. Uh, one of the songs we sang tonight, too, talks about his story. And it's really not a story as the world defines that. These are accounts of real life things that happened. And I believe and I pray the Lord would show that and work through me and show others that this is not just like 
a novel written for entertainment, right? And I feel like some people um, in Hollywood have taken liberties for uh, on this book, and um, it, it's up to us, I believe, to speak to our friends and our family and let them know where we stand with it when we get the opportunity. Um, again, you know, the word says, speak the truth in love, and that requires wisdom and patience a lot of times, and we we get that by spending time with the Lord. And that's why I think in the days that we live in right now, it's so important that we try to set aside time. And I'm guilty. I sometimes find I have a few minutes, half an hour, and it helps, but does it really give me a peace? Not always, because I know what I'm faced with. And in this account, uh, it just seems like Noah has had a peace, and he's been able to follow the Lord, and I don't know about you, but I want that, like every day, every moment. And I know what the Lord has done for me when I pray and when I do kind of tune everything else out, that's when the peace starts to come and the understanding and the security. And it's kind of like we're kids and we need our little security blanket. And God knows that. He knows what we need, right? He created us. So the more we actually turn to him, seek him, and allow him to work in our lives, that peace will come. The other interesting um, aspect of this is God was in the boat with Noah. Um, if you read that, it says God spoke to Noah, and that was before Noah left the boat. So, and in um, the end of chapter 7, he, he, the word says God shut him in. And so the other reason it's important to um, seek time with the Lord is to get into the secret place so that um, his word can get into the secret place in our hearts and be um, like preserved there. And what we see here in the account of Noah, um, like riding out the storm, is he was preserved, he was saved, and the, the benefits of that actually spilled out onto his family. Um, I'd like to take a left-to-right journey again through a couple of um, passages of Scripture that um, kind of touch on the few points um, here, um, such as trust and following the Lord, fearing the Lord, um, pleasing God, and working through experience. So if you'd indulge me a little bit, um, we'll go through like maybe four passages or five passages. So the first one I'd like to go to is Proverbs 3, which is one of my favorites, and I'm sure a lot of you probably read this a lot. But I read it a lot, 
and it just seems to give me comfort and peace and it helps kind of settle my heart so if you turn to Proverbs 3 and we'll start at verse 5 So Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions, and with the fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her ways are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. Verse 19, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up, and clouds dropped down the dew. We can stop there. This, um, to me, just is a comparison to what just happened. So the Lord, he's in charge. He creates. He can destroy. He has a plan. Um, he can make the rain, the snow, the wind, and the rain and the wind, just as he did during the flood but he can also sustain us through those trials and troubles. And that's, to me, this is a comforting passage here. Bless you. <laughs> um, now let's go to Mark chapter 8. This seems to show a picture of following, what it means to follow the Lord. So if we go to Mark chapter 8, and we'll go to verse 34. So in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, uh, the subtitle in this Bible says, Take up the cross and follow him. And to me, it, you know, Noah, he, he could have disobeyed and he could have gone the way of the world he could have followed um, what others were telling him to do but he didn't and so in verse 34 when he meaning Jesus when Jesus had called the disciples to himself with his disciples also or I'm sorry <laughs> I jumped ahead when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also he said to them Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Verse 35, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, 
but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Verse 36, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Verse 38, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So here, you know, Jesus is advising us to lose ourselves, to not rely on the world to dictate who we should be. Let the word of God speak to us and tell us who we should be. We're created in his image, male and female, with separate and unique qualities and characteristics. And why is that? Because God made it so. And he also made us in his image to show that he has a, a plan that includes variety, it includes diversity, um, we don't need to be like each other. Uh, and this passage also speaks to the value that each of us has to him. We're a unique individual. We have a soul. The soul, we're told, yearns to be with the Father. And he gives us the means to believe that as we get closer to him and we're, we're reading about what he's done in past generations and why. Um, it's important and that's why, you know, when our pastors exhort us to continue to read and get in the word and put aside time, we begin to develop uh, that relationship even stronger with Jesus and our souls will uh, be more closely aligned with him and with, with his plan for us. So another thing that Noah did was he feared and revered, revered the Lord. So if we could turn to Luke chapter 12. So we're just going to keep going to the right a little bit. <laughs> So Luke chapter 12, we'll start at verse 4, and this is subtitled, Jesus Teaches the Fear of God. So Luke 12, chapter 4, this is Jesus. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that, have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. And verse 6, Are not, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. And verse 8, Also, I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, 
Him, the Son of Man, also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Now, when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. And so the importance of reading the word is to be able to bolster our understanding of what the Lord wants for us and to be able to recollect the scriptures that he's imparted into us. And it's very applicable. The word, even though it was written years and years and years ago, it still applies today. There are so many parallels to what's happening in our world today that are written here. And even though he's speaking about some of the really high authoritative people, uh, synagogues, magistrates, and authorities, I mean, if you think we have Pastor Dave and Pastor Richard and others here um, making uh, appearances at the school board meetings. So in essence, what they're doing is they're making themselves available. And, you know, as the Lord leads, when questions come, when open um, question and answer periods can uh, when they come, they can rely on the Word of God and share the Word of God as it applies to some of the questions and the things that are going on right now. And, you know, in my own studies, I always come away after reading with like a sense of having, how do I say this? With a sense of being prepared and being better prepared for how to deal with what I'm going to face next. And it's irreplaceable, that guidance from God, which we find here in the, in the book. And that's kind of follows in with the next scripture. If we could go to John chapter 5, um, it's where we see where Jesus is um, seeking to please God. And I think he's talking to the disciples about that. So um, John 5, let's start at verse 24 which the subtitle here says, Life and judgment are through the Son. So the correlation here is that he's the vine and we're the branches, and that was earlier or it could be later in John. But um, if you understand the concept that the vine supplies what the branches need and the branches supply what the fruit needs and that's a cycle that God has designed so if by the same concept of um, 
the vineyards they graft in different kinds of grapes into healthy vines and they're able to get different varieties of grapes and um i know tree fruit trees can be um worked that same way too and so when we become believers we become grafted into the family of jesus and under him and under his covering under his blood we become protected from judgment it's not like we become non-sinners and perfect people but what he does is he sheds his grace on us and we benefit from from his suffering and so let's look at luke 5 verse 24 most assuredly i say to you he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but is passed from death into life most assuredly i say to you the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the son of god and those who hear will live for as the father has life in himself so he has granted the son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life those who have done evil to the resurrection of common excuse me condemnation verse 30 i can of myself do nothing as i hear i judge and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who has sent me. Wouldn't it be awesome if each one of us was so sold out to Jesus that we just did the will of Jesus every single moment in our day? And I know that we have breakthroughs and we do please the Lord and um, he's a very gracious loving lord and so is our father his father and we are given the tools to live that life and much of the keys to living the the life where we're ever always pleasing the father um is first of all because of the blood of jesus but it's it comes with the patience the obedience the perseverance everything that we see no in noah in his life as he lived and that comes and that brings us to the aspect of experience in our life and as we see what noah experienced um, was epic I think I used that word in one of my last messages and we have epic things that happened to us too you know when dear ones pass away if we don't you know have 100% confidence that they were saved or knew Jesus then that can be traumatic and it could leave questions with us um, and maybe we lose a job uh, maybe we suffer some sort of a natural disaster and property is damaged 
like beyond repair to where you have to move or you have to seek other arrangements. Even though we experience those things, it doesn't mean God is not with us. He's with us all the time. And it doesn't mean that he isn't caring and compassionate to us. He is that all the time. A lot of how we deal with things is predicated on our perspective of who the Lord is, how much we trust him, how much we love him, and perhaps maybe even how much we revere and fear him. And back in chapter 8 of Genesis, when Noah built an altar to the Lord to show his worship, I I know that I'm building altars to other things besides God in my life. And, you know, it takes a lot of self-examination to be able to see things that aren't right and aren't pleasing the Lord. It takes a lot of prayer, too, to have the Lord help us to get to a point, to be humble, to be able to recognize, first, we need his help, and second, we need to change and turn around, and that's what repentance is. So, speaking of that experience cycle and you know, seeking the Lord and seeking guidance, wanting to repent and wanting to please him, let's look at Hebrews. Um, chapter 11, a lot of you, most of you probably know this. It's the faith, and it's the Hall of Fame of Faith chapter. So we'll look at Hebrews 11, and it's just to the right in your Bible. Um, we'll look at chapter 11, verse 1. So verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. And then verse 5, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And verse 7, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world 
and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So that's just an awesome account of a man who trusted God, was sold out to God, didn't pay heed to the ways of the world, didn't allow the worldly notions and potions and whatever you want to call them in to his mind and his heart. His heart was purposed on pleasing the Lord. And that's what I really love about the account of Noah. It shows us that a seemingly humble man who had you know, cares of the world. He had a family, he had mouths to feed, he had um, things to do. He was still found pleasing by God and he was chosen by God. God can choose any one of us out here to do things that are beyond our comprehension and understanding. Frankly, me standing here is beyond my comprehension and understanding. And I thank you for your patience with me as I learn how to do this. It's been a huge blessing to me the few times so far and an encouragement to me that God is in a position to use any one of us wherever we're at. Um, but he also wants to grow us and expand us and get us out of our comfort zones. And one of the keys to having success per se is to allow ourselves to be available and our hearts open and not worry and to lean not on our own understanding and trust the Lord. Um, let's quick go to James. This speaks about love and patience. James chapter 1. And I should have said love and patience through trials. And I think Pastor Dave talked about this this morning, and I already had this as something I wanted to mention. So I f believe God is not only wanting to remind me that no matter what the trials, he's always with us. He wants to remind all of us of this. So let's start with verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all ways. Verse 9, Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat 
then it withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. And verse 12, and this is subtitled here, Loving God Under Trials. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And again, that speaks to God's love and his um, value uh, for each of us. Uh, he fully wants to share blessings with us, encouragements, everything. Um, it's only when we drift and we turn away and, as mentioned before, we build altars to different things and we look to idols. It takes our attention off of God and we lose sight of what he wants to do and how much he wants to bless us. Uh, let's go to same book, James chapter 5. Turn a couple of pages over. We'll go to verse 7. This is subtitled here, Be Patient and Persevering. So verse 7, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in, this, in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. And then verse 12, But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be, low, no, be no, lest you fall into judgment. So, as mentioned earlier, he gives us tools to use to develop our faith and um, to develop our relationship with him. Um, it's, it's up to us to spend time to be able to develop 
further and to grow and to allow the Lord to um, expand our horizons, let's say. Uh, I wanted to finish with um, the blessing at the end of Hebrews 13. So we'll close with that. Um, I feel like this could be, this is a final encouragement and something I need to remind myself of all the time. So let's go to verse, we'll start at 18. It's a prayer request. And to me, it shows the importance of allowing each of us the the grace when we ask for prayer to be mindful that um, to the person that's asking, it's important. And I have just been recently reminded through another brother and his experience that we should always be ready to give a word, to give an answer, to give some encouragement, to show love to each other. And one of those actions is to partake and participate in prayer with other brothers and sisters. So Hebrews 13 verse 18 says, pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. But I especially urge you to do this, that I may be restored to you sooner. And that's an exhortation from Paul, but it still applies to each of us because doesn't prayer restore us? Doesn't it encourage us? Doesn't it help us kind of unload the burdens as one of the worship songs tonight um, encourages us? Come to the cross. At the cross is where Jesus handles everything. So verse 20, so this is called a benediction, a final exhortation. So verse 20, now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I need that. Uh, I mean, I want to know the Lord's glory, but it's not for me to know only as much as he reveals to me. When we enter into our eternal home, we'll see so much of his glory and so much of his majesty our human body couldn't handle it. Our human mind can't handle that. But that's a time where I'm looking forward to, and I know and trust all of you are too, and those of you online too. So let's close out in prayer. Father, thank you so much for looking to, for us to turn to you, Lord. Thank you for your gift of repentance, the shed blood of your son, Jesus, to cover our sins. 
Thank you, Lord, for not being a cruel and hard father. Thank you, Lord, for being a loving savior, a guiding light. Pray, Lord, that any word spoken here tonight, Lord, was clear and understandable. And pray, Lord, that you would help each one of us if we have questions, Lord, to come to you first to help, to ask for your help to reveal your truths even more and deeper, Lord. Help impart them into our hearts, Lord. Help us be more available to you. We thank you, Lord, for offering us a way that is separate from the world. You ask us to be in the world, but not to be of the world. We need your help to be your ambassadors, Lord. Help us to continue to rely on you for our daily needs, our daily bread, Lord. Thank you for granting us today. We look forward to your coming, Lord. If you should tarry, help us to be about your business, Lord. Help us to revere you, to build altars in our heart to you, Lord, because you are worthy. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our love, our devotion. Would you please help us to understand how to cultivate that and how to grow that and rely on you more and more for all of these things. We praise you and love you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.